welcome to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom, Zoom. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and the Insta, as the kids would say, at SidKidEddy. Once again, at SidKidEddy, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. And you can follow this show with War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes. We're everywhere. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you look for Sega City Sports under the War on Anchor. And all of all the fine programming from We Are Regal Radio. And don't forget to download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, please search for Sega City Sports by typing in War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor in the search engine box, and you'll find us right there. I'm Lakeena, I'm Lakeena McGee. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena McGee on the Instagram. And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook and Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. Uh, our top story for this segment involves the Chicago Bulls. Jim Boylan has been out as head coach for a month. Earlier this week, via Tuesday, they hired Billy Donovan, the ex-college head coach for the Florida Gators, and he coached the Oklahoma City Thunder from the last five years, all five years making the playoffs, including the trip to the Western Conference Finals in 2014. He compiled a record of 243 wins and 100. And 57 losses. This year, the Oklahoma City were a surprise team led by Chris Paul and other young guys. They took the Houston Rockets to a seventh game in the bubble in the first round of the playoffs. Now, Billy Duffin is your new head coach for comments the other day. I'll start with you, Lamont. Does this renew your hopes as a Bulls fan to get the situation turned around? Yes, it does. I mean, even though I never gave up on my Bulls, as this renews my hope greatly. We're getting an established coach that can work with young people, that knows what he's doing. And I think the key to that, too, I think he may be able to bring a few of his former players to Chicago. I mean, you got a couple of them that's already sending them shots out, happy that he's coaching. And we need to get some free agents coming here. So I think they'll see some stability in him being here and us having some form of direction going forward. I mean, so I'm actually really excited about it. Lakina? Yeah, we'll get Lakina's thoughts in just a moment as we, uh, she tries to reconnect herself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. I, but, you know, for, for me, uh, I think this is a, a – an accomplished head coach. He did better than I thought coming out of the college ranks a few years ago. He had a, a great team in Oklahoma City. You know, he went through his transitional phases, of course, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And then it was just Russell Westbrook by himself for a couple of years. And then he had Westbrook and Paul George. They weren't able to get past the first round. I'll, I'll say this. He'll be a, he'll, he would be a good – he is a good addition for those young guys because – if the Bulls management are going to do this correctly, everybody who's on this roster now is not going to be here. Hopefully, when you turn that next corner and start becoming championship contenders, are the Bulls there yet as championship contenders? No. But I think they could be a playoff team with a, a couple of moves here and there. But I just got to remind Bulls fans, yes, you should have hope, but this is still going to take time. Maybe sooner than you think we shall see, but it's still going to take time. I don't, fans don't want to hear it, but it's going to take time. 
Yeah, but you know, Sid, even with the time, yeah. Sid, they got they got they got and like you said, a couple of them people should be there. I mean, you look at a, a Kobe White as a point guard in two or three years. He may have been and developed that overall game. And Zach Levine just might be that all-star. So we got and Laurie Marketing, he was all-star caliber at one point. So I mean, I think some of them pieces might be around, and I think some of them pieces are, you know, worth giving a shot to, man. It gives them confidence. Well, I remember too that you know, confidence. You know, you got a confident head coach now. You saw, yeah. you saw the raise, you know, with Joe Kim Noah was raving about about him. Bradley Beal was actually lobbying for him to get the job. I was actually yeah. surprised that he a he got available and b that he was even interested because if you saw the presser yesterday, it was recorded on a Friday. The press was the presser was I guess it was a Thursday. I mean, he, he said himself that he wasn't interested. He said, you know, initially that the Bulls weren't even in his radar. You know, Philly was one that was, you know, that was bringing, you know, being bought about. So the fact that he even said yes, that it shows you that AK wanted and Eversley wanted this guy. They wanted him. And look, he's got the clout. He's got, you know, raised some players. You know, CP3 said this is a great hire by the Bulls. So I'm excited. But I think the fact that they went with him instead of like, you know, the other up-and-comers like, Yumi Yadoka and Wes Unsell Jr., who was a favorite and who AK worked closely with when he was at Denver. I think they're, they're, they're ready to go to the playoffs and they're ready to win. So, yeah, so it probably will be maybe another year or two before we actually see, see you know, results. But I think having – getting Billy Donovan, again, a guy with, with confidence, who has clout, who has the respect, and also the player development experience, I think, you know, I think this might, this might actually, you know, get the peel the layers, if you will, here in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at two people that was doing it. I mean, Bradley Beal may be available in the trade and CP3 a free agent. So he maybe want to come over and teach some of the young kids. So, you know, things can happen for Chicago. I mean, I'm just glad we got a direction. I'm happy for a direction. Just to back you up on that, Lamont, yes, the Bulls do have direction finally in the front of us for the first time in years, probably since Thibodeau as, as far as head coach is concerned. But – this is the thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. As I mentioned, who's going to be a part of this team in the long run? Will it be Zach Levine? You're going to give most of these guys uh, the 2021 season to see who's going to be here, uh, who's not going to be here. Is Zach Levine really a number one player going forward, or is he just a number one player right now because the talent around you is so mediocre at best? Larry Marketing, I'm still an upside guy on him to an extent. I know there was talks about him wanting him to leave, and that's of course when Jim Boylan was here. But does he still want to remain here? Can he stay healthy? I'm not sure. The person I was looking forward to watch play was Wendell Carter Jr. He's been injured his first two years in the league. From what I've seen, I've been very impressed by him. He's very good on the defensive end, but offensively, he wanted to be more involved. And Coach Boylan again didn't allow him to do that. Now Daniel Gafford, uh, the Bulls draft pick from this past season. He showed some signs, but he didn't get enough playing time. So these are the kind of things the Bulls are going to have to work out and to see who's going to stay here, who's going to go. Because uh, in the Eastern Conference, you can make some moves in terms of that bottom three, bottom four team to make it to the playoffs. Do the Bulls have enough to do that? And do they have enough assets to go make a trade now or at the trade deadline whenever the next season starts? You know what else, Sid? 
And I think they revamped that whole training staff also. So I think that may do something with some of the health of some of these guys. Maybe the training staff they had that wasn't the best, or that's why some of them couldn't get on the court. Look at Otto Porter. Otto Porter was leading the league in three-point shooting at one point. He can't get on the court. Chris Dunn can't get on the court. So I think that training staff, them changing up that training staff is going to help them also. So I'm optimistic. Well, and also, like, for what you said, so I'm going to piggyback off what you said. I mean, the player development, I mean, you know, if, if Zach Levine and Laurie Marketing are, if they're going to be the guys that you want long-term as part of this, you know, rebuild or however you want to say it, I think that's going to be interesting to see what he, what, you know, Coach Donovan does with that. Also, Wendell Carter Jr., he knows very well. He tried to recruit him when he was still at Florida. So I'm, 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 I'm optimistic to see what he does with that particular you know, player development. And like you said, Lamont, the fact that the training staff, that played a part too. So I'm thinking, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is this is the bur- I, I told our guys, um, Matt, Dave, and John over at uh, their hot mic, you know, what we were doing for the game through yesterday. So I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see what they do here. And, and, you know, He's a little tardy, but he's here. <laughs> he's the interview student over at WGN Sports. He is Larry Howie. Larry, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you guys? Sorry about that. Yeah, hey, Larry. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. How are you? How are you guys doing? How are things? Yeah, doing good. We'll probably introduce you. This is the person who gave me my break on television last year, RIP uh, CLTV Sports Beat. He's Larry Howie, Sports director over at WGN-TV Chicago. He also writes a daily column for WGNTV.com. You can find him on Twitter at Howley Sports. Once again, at Howley Sports, is, is H-A-W-L-E-Y Sports. Larry, welcome to Second City Sports. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're doing just fine. Yeah, so we've been talking about, uh, to start the show, Billy Donovan being hired as the new head coach for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we... As a panel, we think that this gives the Bulls a new direction. It gives some uh, fans even hope. What do you think about uh, this hire for the Bulls? Does this put them in the right direction towards being a playoff contender? I think it does, and the reason I do is I look at what Oklahoma City did this past year. I mean, they were basically shuttered completely, trading away almost all their people. They actually have a pretty impressive list of first-round draft picks if you take a look at it. It's pretty incredible. I mean, they have so many people there, so many people are going to be able to draft, and they're going to build one heck of a team. But maybe Billy wasn't at that point. Remember, Billy was hired in 15-16 when the team was right there for a championship. Uh, you know, they had, they had the Warriors up 3-1. And again, the Warriors were – that's a 73-win team. No deficit really is going to worry them. Uh, so that was a great year. And then things kind of – you know, you go into it. Maybe he didn't want to rebuild. Maybe it wasn't kind of the situation he went into. You remember, he had a great, you know, great situation in Florida that he left to go there. So I, I think that this is a, a fresh start for him. He knows exactly what he's going into. Uh, he's a coach that can partner with someone together to build. So Arturis is coming in here, fresh start. Billy can go in with a fresh start, partner with the executive VP, and create his own legacy here in Chicago. Now the question is, how much of a rebuild do the Bulls still have left to do? If they go out and get Giannis, obviously everything changes. The odds of that happening, probably not very good. So they've got a lot of building to do. They're, they're going to have to catch a break here and there. At some point, you would think you probably have to get a level one free agent. The Bulls have not been able to do that 
no, really ever, frankly. They pretty much had to trade or draft everybody. They, I mean, if you really think about it. Do you know, like Ben Wallace? <laughs> I mean, you know, I remember when they signed him, and I'm like, hey, that's a pretty big get. But if you think about it, like, you know, Dennis Rodman, he was a trade. People kind of forget that. Mm -hmm. He was a trade for Will Purdue. And yeah. they really haven't had that ability. And obviously the franchise's reputation has taken a massive hit, so nobody wanted to come here. Uh, for those of you who might remember, I don't remember Tracy McGrady when they threw out a yeah. huge welcoming party. Benny it's, been the about, pool. it's been about 20 years ago now. <laughs> threw out a huge uh, welcoming party for him to come there, and it, it, it just didn't happen for a bunch of other guys that came there. It just didn't happen. So I think it's a great sign that, that – and Donovan tends to have great relationships with players. Uh, you've heard from, you know, obviously what he meant to Joe Kim Noah – uh, Brad, uh, Bradley Beal actually had something to say on, on Twitter uh, about him coming to Chicago. Uh, maybe that's a possibility down the road. You never know. But again, I think that the main thing is Billy sees a partner in Arturis. And he mentioned it yesterday when he started at Florida. Florida gave him patience. He had a losing record his first two years of Florida. They stayed patient with him. He's in the Final Four in 2000, wins it in 2006, wins it in 2007. And then, uh, you know, would eventually go back again. They made nine straight tournaments. I think he's a guy who can relate to his players, which Arturis has said is really important, which the Bulls have had some trouble doing over the past few years. So I think it's a good fit. I think he's a guy who has coaching experience in the league. He's the first the Bulls have hired with coaching experience in the league since Scott Skiles in 2003, believe it or not. Uh, so it's a departure from the hires that they've had before. And I'm very curious to see how this is going to work out and maybe in what kind of timeline him and Arturis can turn the Bulls right now from being this mediocre, maybe if this, the, the skies or the fates fall right, and they can maybe make an eighth seed, to where they can be at the top three seeds and knock on the door for a championship like they were basically from about 2011 to 2015. The player development, though, is going to be the key, right, Larry? I mean, you saw what – he did with some of the, you know, it was basically CP3 and these other guys in OKC. So, you know, you think about Wendell Carter Jr. and Zach Levine and Laurie Marketing. Player development-wise, what do you think is going to be the key? To basically go ahead and figure out a good system to do it, because they don't really have one. I mean, I mean, you think about it, you know, they've got, they've got some guys there. I mean, you know, Zach's established, he's, he's made himself, he's had the chance to be the, the number one player on a team. Lowry's been all over the place. You saw his potential his first year. He was fantastic. Wendell's had some, some good moments here and there. He's still a young player, though. I mean, he only had one year at Duke, so you know, you're still trying to develop him. You know, Kobe White is a guy I'm really interested in. I'm really curious to see where his ceiling is going to be because before the pandemic hit, he was playing some fantastic basketball. Oddly enough, the, the game before he made his first start, before everything shut down, the key for me, I think, is going – for, for the Bulls and all that, I think it's going to be to be consistent in their building, develop a, rep, a system to do it. And Arturis has talked about it. How are you going to develop your players? I think that's been a key we've seen across sports. How are you going to do it, especially in basketball? You're getting a lot of these players who are, frankly, very young. But I'm curious to see, like, where, where are Wendell, Lowry, Kobe – going to fit in and then whoever they do decide to draft this year if they decide to keep that pick which I think they will unless they're able to get a trade for somebody really massive or they're able to trade down they think they can get more players I'm really curious to see what they'll do and how they'll develop them but there is a commitment to do that they've said that I think Artura said he was kind of surprised that, that really wasn't there as much with the Bulls before he arrived but I think consistency in developing a system just to do that because from what Arturis and Eversley have said, it really didn't exist. 
because it's really critical. You've got a couple high picks there. And I think especially with Lowry, I think Markinen is somebody who I think can be potentially a great player. And I think the same for Wendell too. It's just going to be curious to see what they do with them. Those two guys in particular, because I think Kobe's got some stuff going. Those two guys in particular, if they don't have to trade them and they can develop them, that's going to really help this franchise. Lamont? No, and I, also, Larry, like I was going to, uh, to piggyback off what you're just saying. I believe they do have some pieces. I mean, I would like to see them attempt to develop those three players. And even a Gafford, like with him being on a rookie deal, they can kind of sit him down and allow him to just grow under Billy Donovan. And so, like you said, I'm really interested in seeing what happens with Kobe. So, I mean, do you think he should keep them or you think they should look to move them guys and try to reach for the Bradley Bills in a trade or get a CP3 to come over and try to assist Billy Donovan? Which direction you think they should go on that front? CP3 be interesting just because you get a veteran, you know, kind of point guard presence on there. I guess if you're really interested in developing – I'm kind of in the middle on it. I think at some point, I think a big feature of this Bulls era, and I don't know if you can agree or disagree with me, because ultimately bringing a championship back and being able to create a new era outside of the dynasty is going to be the definition of any executive coach who ever comes to the Bulls. It's the same with the Bears. No one will ever, whoever wants to establish himself as a legend, whether a general manager or a coach, has to be that team that wins that first championship after that 85 team and lets them kind of rest and be in their rightful place in football history. But it lives on and it does that. The same thing is here for the Bulls. And frankly, Lamont, I'm in the middle. I I think if, in my opinion, you've drafted them, I think there's potential there. I think you do something with them at the moment. I think you try to develop them. Because if you really don't have a great development program, why not let these guys do it? You've invested capital in them. The Bulls gave away Jimmy Butler to go ahead and get Lowry you know, to go ahead and get Zach. We see what Jimmy can do. You put Jimmy in the right situation, he, he's a top five. He's a, he's a level A-tier guy. He's there with Giannis. He's there with LeBron. He's, he's there with all those guys. You know, that's what he is. The situation had to be right. It wasn't here in Chicago, but you committed a lot to get Lowry. So part of me thinks that the Bulls should really be doing what they can do to try to develop those guys. Yet at the same time, what if something comes up? What if you have the chance to get that level one player, that top guy who can change it? At this point, you're in a fan base, in a league that really wants to demand success, a fan base that tasted having a team close to a championship just five or six years ago. I always consider, and you may disagree, I think the 14-15 team was the last team you could legitimately say came in there and said they could maybe win a championship. If things went well. Now, they would have had to beat the Warriors that year, and that would have been a task. But they're one LeBron for James three-pointer from taking a 3-1 lead in that second-round series. And I, I think the Bulls would have had something that year. So that's what you're looking for. So I don't know. It's kind of a centered question. I, I Personally, I would develop. But if you get a shot to acquire a guy like that who you think might put you in that realm, I think you do have to think about it. Larry Howley, sports director at WGN T- Television in Chicago, has joined us here on Sega City Sports, along with LaKenna McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. Larry, let's transition over to Chicago baseball. I know that's where we brought you on here originally to, to talk about. Of course, the Cubs and Sox, they are battling this weekend on the south side in the final series of the regular season in MLB. If the playoffs were to start today as of this recording, the White Sox, due to their five current five-game losing streak, they're going to face the New York Yankees. While the Cubs, on the other hand, will face the Florida, the Miami Marlins, I should say. 
Let's start off with the Sox first. There's, they are still one game back of the Minnesota Twins for that AL Central Division lead. If it comes to a tie, Minnesota will win it because they beat the Sox head-to-head this season. I'll ask you, Larry, because I'm trying to keep my cool as a fan, but from your perspective, what has gone wrong for the Sox this past week? Well, I, I think you've seen kind of the fates go a little bit against them. It, it, you, you've seen some of the pitching holes that they have, and I think it's pretty obvious. When you get past Giolito, you get past Keiko, you know, you, it's a question. You don't really know. I think, you know, Cease has shown some ability, but last Sunday against the Reds, he was walking a lot of players and he's out, but, you know, and he didn't even get out in the fourth inning. It's going to be curious to see what they do with that pitching set. For me, it comes down to a lot of pitching. I really believe the White Sox have the hitters that if they get hot, they could slug their way to a World Series championship. They could do it. For me, I think what's gone wrong, they've, they've had some bad luck. Last night, very controversial. I know Rick Renneria's decisions have been – something questioned across the fan base now all year, even going back to last year, the Carlos Rodon one last night is very interesting. That was a very high leverage situation. He did have a three run lead and he only needed to get one out. I was a little surprised he came in there. You know, you know, know, Carlos had pitched, I believe the last time on August 3rd, and that was a game against Milwaukee. He had to start, he had the shoulder issues and then he came out. I don't know if you wanted to put Bummer in there. Again, Bummer, what, you know, he had not pitched for a very long time either. So it was a weird situation. I, I, you don't really know where to go there. For me, for the White Sox, it comes down to pitching. I think Colomay does a pretty good job as a closer. I don't think you're worrying about that. You have your top two starters, which, let's face it, that's going to help in a wild card series of three games where, you know, you get two good outings and you, you, might, you might win a champ. You, you know, you might be on to the next round. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, like, what, what if the White Sox aren't hitting? What if they have issues in their bullpen late with pitching or they can't have a Keuchel or Giulio go six, seven innings? Remember, Keuchel is still coming off of a lower back injury that kept yeah. him on the I.L., kept him out for a couple of starts. And that's been bothering – and then it's been bothering, I believe, since one of his card- – I think it might have been the Cardinals Sunday start where they started that run. It started bothering him during that Cardinals series. They had a guaranteed rate field mm-hmm. in mid-August. So I-, I think really what you've seen, you've seen them have some bad luck. They were close to a couple of wins. They're winning in Cincinnati, uh, you know, back on Saturday. It was one of the best wins of the year. You slugged five homers, great mm-hmm. starting pitching. And then they, some of that goes against them. But, again, the, the, the Rodon, that, that situation's a little weird, a little rattling on a weird week. I don't think it's panic time for the White Sox because I still think that that offense is there and can do it. But it, it's concerning. It's a bummer of a way to finish the regular season that's been so positive. It's not as much of a panic for me. I, I guess it just isn't. I think that – it's still going to come down to those three games for, you know, for me. So it's, does it not win the division? It sucks. It's going to be hard for them to win that division. Now they're going to need a little bit of help, but if they can get two wins over the Cubs, suddenly you're looking at it. You're going to get a chance to get that fourth seed. You're going to chance, get a chance to be at home and still do everything you want. They're in a good place, but this, this week was a little rattling, especially get swept on the road at, at Cleveland. Okay. Oh, I thought about I thought about uh, you said with that Carlos Rodon when he gave up that lead, and especially after when he wasn't pitching for weeks, I I was like, okay, yeah, my Sox fans are not gonna be happy with this. I know Sid's not, so and I know a few others too. But so Larry, on a, back back to being serious for a second. Let's let's talk about the Cubs for a, a little bit. Um, lack of bats has have been a problem, and unfortunately, especially the way the playoffs are gonna be set up this year, it's gonna be like you know, boom, boom, boom. Do you think they can get it together? 
I don't know. The Cubs are more of a question to me than, than the White Sox because the Cubs hitters have not hit, period. Everyone has struggled. I mean, Hap's been really good. Hayward's had a pretty good year, and, and he's had some moments. Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, they're all struggling. They scored three runs against the Pirates those last three games. That's a series you've got to take, at least split it, and probably take three or four. The Cubs should be playing for nothing this weekend. They should have had – I guess if you want to play for seed – so be it. Although the Dodgers have a pretty good lead. You know, they would have a shot to catch Atlanta. I, you really should. It, it, you know, looking at it last week, the, the Whites, the, the, the Cubs should be playing, shouldn't be playing for anything this weekend other than getting their players healthy and setting that rotation for, you know, for that three-game wild card series. The hitting's a concern. You know, Brian has not come around. And, you know, Baez, he does a lot of great things in the field. You're, you're going to get that from him. And Brian is a good fielder, too. You know, you need those bats. You need Rizzo's bats. And if they're not going to get it, you know, you're really relying on your pitchers. And again, like the White Sox, you're looking at two guys who you truly trust. And maybe this might seem like a bad thing for Cub fans. You're going to trust you right now, and you're going to trust Kyle Hendricks. And Kyle's pitched very well in September. His ERA is under two. He's been phenomenal, you know, coming through here in September. John Lester was great the other night. John Lester has tended to prove himself strong in October. He's had an inconsistent year. He's been up and down. You don't know what's going to happen if hitters get to him. My guess is he, you don't know where they're going to be. So you're looking at two starters, and, but the, the Cubs have not been able to hit. They couldn't hit Minnesota. The only win they got in that series was a one nothing win thanks to Hendricks. I think that the Cubs' hitting woes are a lot worse than the Sox' hitting woes. And I don't know if that group can turn it up. We've seen that, that they can. We saw it, but it's been 2016. 2017. You might remember the line Theo Epstein said that the offense was broken at the end of 2018. And in some ways, they still kind of are. They were broken at the end of last year. It's worrisome. Could the Cubs turn it up? Yes, they can. We've seen this. But again, it's removed a little bit. So you're a little skeptical of what they can do if their pitchers are not on. Now, granted, if you Darvish goes out there and is you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks, you might win 2-2-1 games and you're, you know, you're going on to the DS. So we'll see. But there's more skepticism in my mind with the Cubs than it does with the White Sox, who I genuinely believe this week they had a bad week. And Renneria just had a bad decision night last night. Okay, Larry. All right. Back to that Cubs-Sox thing. Which team bets do you think will come alive? And if the Sox come alive, whichever team doesn't, who you think will hurt worse going into these playoffs? You think if the White Sox go over there and they beat up on the Cubs – and the Cubs' bats still don't come alive, do you think that will linger into the playoffs with them or vice versa? I think it could for the Cubs because they, they, they're, it's, it's pretty chronic now. They're, they're now trapped in here for about a, about a week and a half. And obviously this season, that means something. Uh, they're a veteran group, and they're going to be able to recover from that. The White Sox, I, I think they can get momentum. I think it, let's just say they take two or three. Let's just say that their offense did what they did in the last city series uh, where they just crushed the ball. Like they're crushing the ball out of the ballpark. I think that could give them a little bit of momentum. I still think that they're young. I still think that – I think this is going to be a fun thing because so many of those guys are so young and, and so much is going to be a part of, hey, if they win the World Series this year, great. That's awesome. And, yes, the World Series counts this year no matter what anybody says. Don't let anyone take anything away from winning anything this year because you played in a pandemic and you managed to get through it. And if you can get 60 games in there and you raise the trophy, you raise the damn trophy and you'd be proud of it. And you throw your whatever socially distanced parade. I, 
Yeah, I think the White Sox are fine either way. I do wonder if the Cubs continue to slump into there, if that could affect them a little bit. A veteran group, but I, I don't know. I'm very curious. But I think the White Sox could build some momentum. Personally, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think they're going to be great. I, I think that it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be joyous. Uh, I, I do wonder, the, again, the, the, the same thing to your question. The concern with me is more the Cubs. Could the Cubs do something in this playoffs? Absolutely. But if those bats don't wake up, it, it could be two and out. Larry Howard, Lee sports producer at WGN Television in Chicago, is joining us here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown as we talk Chicago baseball, as both of our teams are preparing to play in the playoffs, which starts next week. Larry, let's go back to the wide size. Please tell people, the man that I'm representing behind me, Jose Abreu, that he is your American League MVP for 2020. Please tell people who don't want to believe or don't want to listen. Please bring sense to people why he's your AL MVP for 2020. The way he plays, the way he carries himself. Uh, he's good in the field and he's incredible with the bat. Um, there is uh, something to be said for Jose Abreu, who <clears throat> represents what the White Sox wanted to be and now represents the White Sox in the best of what they can be. You know, he comes in in 2014 with an organization that had 2012 on their mind where they almost won the division. You know, they almost had this surprise surge from what was left of that 05 team, which there wasn't a lot with a little bit of new guys to come mm -hmm. in here. Jose's been consistent all the time. I, I, from a leadership standpoint, he's been huge bringing those young guys along. But with the way that Jose has hit and hit consistently all year, he deserves to have it. I, I hope he gets it. Um, he's been a tremendously consistent contributor during this year, uh, which obviously means a ton for guys who are going in and out, who play well, who come in and out of slumps. I hope he gets it. I think he deserves it. The White Sox have been awesome for most of the year. They would have had the American League's best record if they probably split the series in Cleveland. They would have been right there to compete for it. I think he deserves it. I think he's played his way through. Uh, he's been fantastic. He was fantastic in that city series. Play the play the video of the city series. After how many home runs he end up with? Five ish. I think so. Yeah. Five. Like that, yeah. Yeah. Something ridiculous. He he's my MVP for the American League. I don't, I don't think there's a doubt about it. I think he's played well. He's contributed to a team that is on the rise. He's contributed to a team that's ended up a 12 year playoff streak, and he's been consistent the whole year. He's my MVP. Do you think that you Darge has a chance to win a Cy Young on the National League side? It's very interesting because that race is tightened up because everybody's kind of dropped a little bit. You know, I know Trevor Bauer's the thoughts there. He kind of, you know, he had a little bit. I know the Sox got to him for two homers. Oddly enough, Mazzara hits his first homer off him in the, of the season. <laughs> Mazzara, actually, Mazzara actually had a nice hit last night. He had a two-run hit in the seventh uh, opposite field that gave him a 4-1 lead. Uh, I think you has got a pretty good shot at it. I, I, he's been phenomenal. This is the you Darvish the Cubs saw when they signed him in 2018. And I don't mean to do a tangent here. I've always said I thought the Cubs would get one more World Series. Imagine if they had you Darvish in 2008, pitching like he was now, on a 95-win team that did that without him. It would have been incredible. You is a great story. He's a phenomenal pitcher. His stuff is electric. I think people have been saying that since 18. He was injured. It happens. And the injury was real. I know everybody in 18 said, oh, it's in his mind. It's that injury was real, and it probably took him about a year and a half to get through that. What we've seen from the second half last year, what we've seen through this year, is a guy who has the ability to be a number one, an electric pitcher, the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's going to have a save for it. 
Um, I believe he's pitching this weekend. You know what? If Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's pitching this weekend. If he has an electric start and shuts down the Cubs' bats, he's got a shot at it. That race is tightened up. I think we'd agree. In the American League, I think it's Bieber, and I don't think anybody's going to touch that. But we'll see. Like I said, we'll see. I think he's got a pretty good shot at it. And what a great story that would be, especially considering where you Darvish was, even in June of 2019. Darvish does pitch today, in fact, against Cease tonight. You know, I thought so. <laughs> I didn't want to say it and then mess it up. But I was almost convinced <laughs> because I thought everything was set up to basically have it where they would. But I hadn't checked in the morning. So I was just very curious to see if that was. <laughs> Lamont? Now, uh, uh, back to the Jose Abreu. So the White Sox, you think they could end up with a rookie of the year, an MVP, and, and a batting champion? We can see that. And uh, I'm sad to say I haven't mentioned Tim Anderson so far because that man, I mean, that's, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about, uh, this was a good friend of mine who's a real big White Sox fan. We talked about who's going to be the face of the White Sox when this is all over. And Tim Anderson was in that conversation. He's there with Jose. Uh, obviously, this, so this was 17. So this was late 17. So Aloy came up. So Aloy did come up. So this would have been after he was acquired. Uh, Tim is an incredible representative of the franchise. And not only, he's also a guy who could be considered for MVP. Uh, hits for average, hits for power. Um, does his thing in the field, which, which has improved. I, I think he's done a wonderful job in the field. Um, and has become a representative not only of the franchise itself, uh, but also uh, both on and off the field. I think that his contributions of what he's done for the community around Chicago has been phenomenal. Uh, Tim could be in that consideration for most valuable players. Well, I, I think Jose should get it. I just think he should. But, yes, they could have that. Roberts had a little bit of a slump here. But, man, he – again, again, an electric bat. I mean, when he's on, it's incredible. I mean, can you imagine two, three years down the road when, let's just say, all right, he's had this burst, then, you know, pitchers catch up, and then he develops his game and catches up? I mean, it's incredible. Like I said, the Sox have a great future. If things don't work out, and let's just say maybe they drop two or three to the Cubs, go to the, go to the wild card series, lose in two or three games, so be it. The, the future's great for them. They'll add another starter probably this offseason or they'll develop another one, you know. And also, Ting Dunning's been a pretty good starter. Not to just kind of throw that in there. He's been relatively good this season. I know uh, the other night he he had a little bit of difficulty with that early uh, early three and homer. I believe it was Martinez who hit it. Oh, excuse me, Ramirez. Yeah, Ramirez, Ramirez. Ramirez. Ramirez, mm -hmm. forgive me about that. Uh, that was really about the only rough thing he had, but he's been very good. Uh, but, yeah, with Tim, with them, they could absolutely have all three of those guys do that. So even if things don't work out here over the next week and, and things, you know, take a turn, you know, I still think that the Sox are in really good position and you, you can smile and, and be happy about what they've done. But again, they turned it up. They hit hard. They, they could slug their way to a World Series. They could be in Arlington in three, four weeks. Speaking of another young star, Larry, for the White Sox, Eloy Jimenez, a second-year phenom. On Twitter, I'll call him must-see TV because the way he swings the bat – but his play on the field has been anything but must-see. Uh, if you are in White Sox management, what is the timetable that you will give to make the permanent switch if you would to make Eloy Jimenez your permanent uh, designated hitter? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know. He's had some pretty interesting moments <laughs> in the field. Some really, really interesting You're being moments. nice. <laughs> I'm being nice. You know, the funny thing is, so do you remember, so this would have been back in the Minnesota series. It was just either Wednesday night or Tuesday night where he let the ball go. They let the ball. So basically he went to go catch it 
and it just eluded him. I think he just misread it and it kind of clipped off the glove. And then it yeah, went it got stuck the on the wall. Yeah. And he had the presence of mind. Because I didn't know if they were going to let that happen. Because they can do that. If the ball gets stuck, you, you can do that. But I didn't know if they'd let it do it. Mm-hmm. They ended up going ahead and ruling it because it stayed in there enough. I, I'm not sure. I'm curious. You know, Kyle Schwarber for the Cubs had a lot of issues those first couple of years when he was in the outfield. Uh, he still has them now. I mean, obviously you saw the benching that happened on Sunday night. But curious to see how long the Sox stay patient. What would be interesting is probably the most important thing, okay, he goes into a net, he kind of falls out, it, it happens. But if he injures himself, which has happened now a couple of times, that could force the issue. You know, if he ends up with a major injury, uh, last year he had the injury, I want to say, in April against the Tigers at Guaranteed Rate Field, where he went pretty hard in the wall, and I think he missed about three weeks. I think if that happens again, that mm-hmm. would really rush it. If he makes a couple errors out there, so be it. And You know what, frankly, Luis Roberts going to catch anything pretty much it's about – 100 feet from the line anyway. So, you know, I don't know if you remember one time where <laughs> Robert, I think, I think Luis going for the ball and Robert just kind of sprints in. Luis just kind of goes, or is it like this where he just kind of does that and pauses? I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> but I don't know. That's a good question. If he gets injured again, that, that maybe that forces the issue. Uh, and then, you know, they look for, you know, somewhere out in left field, you know, they've still got some guys down in the minor leagues they could pull up. So it'd be an interesting question. I'd be very curious to see what they would do with that. Um, you know, let yeah, it's, I I am I'm interested. That would be that's a very interesting question, Sydney. I I think I think that if he keeps getting injured, I think that more than errors would probably force them force their hand at it. Uh, adventure is what I would say, Eloy playing the out playing the <laughs> outfield. I think that that's the word I would use. Oh, <laughs> uh, Larry, um, who else on the for the uh, back to the Cubs? Who on on that side, pitching wise, needs to step up? I mean, of course, you got Darvish, Hendricks. Lester, I'm sure he's going to get it together. Who else do you think should need to step up pit, starting pitching-wise for the Cubs? I think Alec Mills is very compelling. I think he's a starter that you could get because they're going to have to need another guy. Alec's been pretty good. I mean, we saw the no-hitter he had against Milwaukee where he was solid. You know, I wouldn't say totally super dominant, you know, five, five strikeouts, three walks, but solid across. I, I think he's got to be a guy that can come in there. Jose Quintana is interesting because he's not really going to get a lot of time. If they could get anything out of him, if they could get a start, and they're going to need guys. Remember, they're playing straight across now. It's straight across, straight games. They're going to need starters. They're going to need pitchers who are going to go long. They're going to make this work. If they really want to make this work, Jose's going to have to make a start here at some point. And you're hoping he can find maybe what he had in 2017 when he first joined the Cubs. And frankly, you know, there's a lot of criticism. The White Sox won that trade. There's no doubt about it. You can never, ever say that they didn't win that trade. But the one thing the Cubs got was in 2017 when they were struggling, they needed a starter, and Jose Quintana provided that. They needed Quintana like 17. I think that's a variable that could really aid that starting pitching staff. For him, he's the key. I think he's the key. I think Alex there, he's shown what he can do. Then uh, again, again, like yesterday, you know, he allows three solo homers, allows another run. I think those are all things that are good, but Jose is a big part of it. Um, for the Cubs, for me, I think the bullpen's creative too. With starting it there, what, if they can get anything out of Craig Kimbrell and, and things have been a little better lately, that'd be phenomenal. Um, another MVP, a guy I should mention that I've not mentioned yet, Jeremy Jeffress has been phenomenal, and the Cubs would probably be down a couple of wins. I think he shifted a lot of the momentum. I don't know if you remember, there was a game in Cincinnati. This would have been the opening week. Cubs were up, I believe, 7-1, and they dropped the lead. So Kimbrough came in and had a horrible outing, walked four, and 
Jeffress came in there, bases loaded, one out, um, and Cubs were up by one, and he got two outs. I believe either either both on strikeouts or one was on a fly out and then a strikeout to end. And I thought that shifted the momentum of that of the season because that could have been a crushing loss early on. Jeremy Jeffress is going to be important. He's really going to have to carry his weight out of that bullpen because he's been phenomenal. If you're looking for guys that have shined this year, it's Hap, Jeffress, it's been Darvish, and to a degree, Hendricks, Hendricks ran to a little bit. But I think those guys are going to be really critical. But Jose Quintana, if they can get something out of him in a starting role or even a really long relief role, uh, that's going to be huge. Okay, Larry, on both sides of town going into this playoff, what team the White Sox don't want to see in those playoffs and what team the Cubs don't want to see in the playoffs? It's an interesting question. I'm curious, you know, a Sox-Cleveland matchup could very well happen should the Twins win the division and Cleveland kind of stay where they are, although Cleveland's only a game back. That actually right now, looking at it, that's probably where it's going to lie. <clears throat> that's an interesting matchup. The Cubs, have, the Sox have had their issues with them. I don't know if they really want to see them. The Yankees would be an interesting matchup for the Sox if it should work out because the Yankees have been all over the place this year. You know, they're, you know, they've got a really talented team. It looks like they're, you know, they're kind of all over the place. So they might be an interesting team to see. It's wide open this year. I, I don't know necessarily if as much as in years past for teams you don't want to see. The Marlins are compelling because they had that huge outbreak and, you know, there they are. Like, they're really interesting. It's different than most years because, you know, last year – you know, you're the Cubs. You didn't really want to see like the Braves or anything last year. I thought the Braves were a problem. Then the Cardinals ended up beating them. It's kind of interesting. I don't really know what teams are there. The Cleveland one will be interesting for the White Sox just because they played. They've just swept the Sox. I don't know if it's an ideal matchup for the White Sox, but again, they'll probably have to win three straight if they want to get out of that. That Those are kind of the teams that I've thought, but again, this, this three-game series is going to be crazy. I, I really... And not sure what it's going to bring. I, I think you could see some insanity out of this. And you know, what if the Do what if the Dodgers come through? I mean, what if they come through and lose in three games? You know, I mean, it's it, it could be wild. I, I think the wild card series is just fantastic. I think I think it's fantastic. But really, to your question, I, you know, the Sox probably don't want to see Cleveland, but it looks like they probably will. Um, as far as the Cubs go, there isn't really anybody in particular that's done it. You know, sh you know, should a Cardinals thing work out? You know, their luck against the Cardinals has been kind of. So, I mean, you know, if they could probably avoid that, maybe that'd be great. A couple more minutes with Larry Howley, the sports director, sports producer, I should say, WGN Television in Chicago, right here on Second City Sports. Larry, uh, your, your quick thoughts about the Chicago Bears. They are 2-0. They face Atlanta in uh, Atlanta this weekend. I said uh, for the last couple of weeks they're lucky to be 2-0. They should be 0-2 right now. What's your quick thoughts about the Monsters of the, of the Midway? Do you think they, they can sneak into the playoffs this year, especially now with that third wild card spot? Or this is uh, this is the beginning of the end of the Trubisky, Matt Nagy, Brian Pace era? Well, I think they've got they've got to improve. So, so, so the good thing about the 2-0 start, by winning those two games, that's going to come in handy late in the year when let's just – I mean, with that extra – you could have an 8-8 eight eight team make the playoffs. So you might have where those two wins come in handy – how handy would some of those wins have come for the Bears last year? Let's just say they sneak out a touchdown beat Green Bay 13-10. Um, let's just say that they win that game in London. Those games come up big. Was that a playoff team for the Bears last year? No. But had they done it and things had worked out, maybe you sneak into the playoffs. 
Are the Bears a playoff team right now? No, they're not. You've, you've seen it. They're, what they are is they're very inconsistent on offense. I think their defense is still pretty good. You're not going to talk me out of their defense being pretty good. They had a, they were, I always said, Danny Trevathan said they were leaky. And I'd agree with that. They were, for parts of the Detroit game, they were leaky. They were allowing plays they normally wouldn't. Adrian Peterson in week one, I, I thought he was very good. I thought that they were, you know, getting some major gains that really helped Detroit set up some field goals, which obviously helped them build the lead. The only thing that really bothered me about the Bears last week just for the defense was that 95-yard touchdown drive. And they did it without Saquon which was terrible, by the way. That was terrible that they, he's out for the year. And a lot of other guys are in a really terrible year, they at least a really terrible week when it came to injuries. Um, but, you know, the defense is really good. The offense is still inconsistent. What are you looking for? I mean, Trubisky looked amazing in that third quarter, fourth quarter against the Lions. He looked terrible the first three. You're thinking he's going to get replaced next week. First half, he looks great. Does a good job to manage the offense. They were great on third down. Are the Giants world beaters? No. You know, Patrick Graham's taking over that defense, and they're in a massive rebuild, but he did what he had to do. You know, in the second half, they can't do anything. It's just very weird on offense. There's no consistency. So you're not sitting here going, they're 2-0. You're standing there saying, oh, they're 2-0. Yeah, they're 2-0. There's two great things about what they're doing right now. Number one, they're running the ball. I think David Montgomery's looked really good. They're running the ball with consistency and power. Uh, Matt Nagy said the tight ends are blocking well, and I think that looks like it because they're getting pushed off the line and they're getting gains they weren't getting last year. And number two, they're not injured. I wrote my column on that. What's the greatest thing about the Bears being 2-0? and They're not injured. They have almost no injuries. That's the best thing going for the Bears right now. They're relatively healthy right now. They don't have any major injuries. I know John Jenkins went on the IL, but he's out three weeks with a thumb injury. He probably doesn't go on the IL if, if there's not that shortened IL for the pandemic. But right now, that's where you are. You're waiting to see what they're going to be. I, I don't. You're not going to say, "Oh my God, they're terrible. They suck." They've won two games and they've shown potential <laughs> at times, but they're not showing the potential of a playoff team that you're. They, there's not a lot of faith there. There's maybe some hopes, but there's not a lot of faith there. Atlanta will be a test, especially for that defense. If that defense is elite and stops Atlanta. They should win the game because Atlanta's defense is really, really having problems right now. So that's what I'm looking for this week. That Bears defense, are they still elite? You stop Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and, and Ridley, and Ridley who's tearing it up right now, that's, that's, that's a pretty good effort right there. And, and that's, again, that Atlanta offense is doing that with nothing with Todd Gurley so far. Gurley has had a very, very slow start there. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean – Maybe they'll find their way as a playoff team. I really don't know. Offensively, outside of the rushing game, you're not seeing a lot there. I, I should add, Patrick Mooney's been pretty good. Uh, not Patrick, mm-hmm. uh, Darnell Mooney. Good Lord. Uh, Darnell Mooney. Has been really good. <laughs> I, you, you know, I get that confused because I like Patrick for the athletic, and I say, that, I say that like half the time. I think Darnell Mooney has looked really good. I think Robinson's an all-pro. He's going to be there. I know he had an off week last week. It's going to happen. But th- there's no consistency there yet. So my long-winded answer, I don't know. It'd be cool if they started 3-0 and because it's going to help if they want to make the playoffs, if, if they want to sneak in at 9-7 and or 8-8. and McKenna? No, I'm done. I'm good. Okay, Lamont? <laughs> I got a question for you, but it's not sports-related. Fire away. Uh, I know you're a, a, a craft beer enthusiast. Oh, yes. I'm a Miller Lite kind of guy. If yeah. I wanted to pick one craft <laughs> where would I start? 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, do you like, so you, you kind of like Miller Lite. Do you like lighter beers? Do you like I'm, beers? I'm like strictly Miller Lite. Like. You're, you're strictly Miller Lite. This is, this is an interesting one. You know? Oh, you're stumped though. You're stumped though. No, it's, it's interesting because there's so many people who, you know, really enjoy beers. You know, there's stuff that I find like here and there that I really like. Five Rabbits Chicago is a Mexican style lager that I really like. That is probably one of the, the best that I've found. Like I found Legro like is an organic citrus beer. They're here in Chicago. Probably the best beer I had all summer, to be honest with you. Those are simple ones that are, you know, kind of lean that way. Uh, some, uh, I was trying to think of some other ones that are there. It's not like a stumping one, but I, I enjoy so much beer. I've always said like simple stuff like the Sam Adams, like if you go to their kind of the higher brewers of the, you know, the, their Boston lager, I always really like, and it's straight down the middle. The Goose okay. Islands, the 312, well, yeah. there you get some of there, which I've always uh, really enjoyed. I've always tried to feature some Chicago area breweries because there's a lot of breweries around here who do a lot of really complicated beers. And they're really, there's a lot to them. So like stuff I've discovered this year, 18th Street Brewing, which is in the region. They do some really creative beers, but they're really out there. They're not like Miller Lights. You've really got to, you know, be willing from a palate perspective to be able to enjoy those beers. Okay. Uh, I would say right now, I, you know, I know personally, like I love Oktoberfest beer. I have yeah. tons of it. Um, I try that all the time. Uh, if you can find Crystal Lake Brewing's Oktoberfest, if you like Miller Lite, that's a beer that's going to give you flavor, but it's not going to be terribly heavy. If you can find okay. that anywhere... Give that a try because that's a really good beer for this season, especially as the weather warms down. But it's not going to be so heavy that you're not going to not enjoy it. You're going to get a good flavor out of it. But I like the heavier, what's called the Marzens. I like the heavier Oktoberfest, but I can like those too. Uh, another thing that I really like are some of the Sierra Nevada. Have you ever had Sierra Nevada beer? Again, okay. bigger, bigger craft brewer. But their beers, their specialty beers, their summer beer, their Oktoberfest, tend to lean on the lighter side. So you're not going to be overwhelmed with hops, with what I always call spice. They're going to be pretty mellow and give you a pretty nice flavor uh, without going that far. But as far as Chicago breweries go, um, you can always go with the Gooses, you, Goose Island. You, you can never really go wrong you know, with the products they do. Actually, you know what? The Sox Ale. Have you tried the Sox Ale from Goose Island? Nope, but I will. Give that a try. You know what? If you can find a 12-pack out there, I think you'd really like that. That's a golden ale, and that's going to be – that's actually one I had for my Balcony Brew Review. You, If I were to pick one for you, to be honest with you, and I know it's taken me three minutes to come to this answer because my mind wraps around all these beers. If I had to pick one, I'd go with that. <laughs> that's going to be a beer that you can probably – that's a, what I always kind of call a Four Seasons beer. You can really have that anytime you want. Uh I think you'll really enjoy that beer. It's, it's going to be refreshing. It's relatively light. For the playoffs, go, go pick up that. I think you'd enjoy that. If you're looking for a Miller Lite to kind of step up, that's a pretty good area to do it. Um, I would say another place you want to check out, Haymarket. I go there a lot. They have some really creative beers uh, that, that, that I've been there for. So last week I went with a friend. I had a Malort-aged beer, which was really, really good. You wouldn't think so, but it was really, really good. You got a little bit of the liquor while it also still being light. Um, they made, uh, the Harold's 83 honey ale, which is really, really good. That's a four seasons beer. You can have that beer at any time. That's a little bit on the darker side, the more reds, the ambers, 
but a really good flavor. And it's a four season beer. So you can drink that. The sock sale is a four season beer. You can drink that really at any time of the year and you can really enjoy that. So the Legro, the citrus ale I talked about, that's more of a beer you'd probably have in the summer, a little bit warmer. But yeah, I would say give that sock sale a try, especially if you oh. like Miller Lite. Um, good price point, not too expensive. You can get it in a 12 pack. And it's a beer that can really kind of really serve you year round. I, I give that a try. But again, uh -huh. see, my mind has so many beers, like it just, you know. I'll be sure to send you a message and let you know. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And if you don't, I'll, I'll come up with something else. Some beers work for people and some don't for, for others. That's, it's a very subjective thing. But just thinking about it and remembering the tastes that I had that were there, that was just one that I remembered. I'm like, you know what? This works for anybody. This works, this, if, this works really for anybody if you want to try it. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Lance. No problem, man. Sorry it took me five minutes to come to that answer. <laughs> <laughs> we love it, Larry. We love it. Uh, last question uh, for Larry Holly from WGN TV uh, Chicago. Larry, I mentioned during the uh, early and when we brought you uh, on that uh, uh, Sports Feed, which no longer exists, along with unfortunately CLTV and of course NBC Sports Chicago, that had to uh, shed some payroll and then they eliminated uh, Sports Talk Live. First, it's a two-part question. First, talk about the impact for CLTV Sports Feed, which I was privileged to be a, a part of, you know, I was only on there once. Talk about the impact of Sports Feed, and do you think that those kinds of programs will work again in the near future, especially in a market like Chicago? Well, thank you, Sydney, because you were one of the guests who came on there, and every guest came on the show for free. So my thanks to the guests for Sports Feed for now and forever. It's a forever indebted thing that I have because a lot of them came on when we were young, and we were not really known. Uh, for those of you, have you, you grown up in Chicago? Are you, are you all Chicago natives? Yes, or, yes sir. So, so CLTV had a show called Sports Page back in the day. Yes. It began in 1993. Uh, Mike Greenberg, I believe, was on it. I think Greeny was yep. on it uh, yep. to start out. So that existed till 2008 or nine. I was not in town. I was working um, in out of town in Champaign, Milwaukee, Asheville, and Indianapolis toward the end of the 2000s. I believe it went through 08, and it did not come with CLTV when CLTV moved to the Bradley Place location um, on the north side of town. Uh, my hope is the impact is that it was able to give as many people that we didn't know about in sports journalism the chance for people to get to know them. Uh, when we started out, we were necessitated to have a lot of live guests because we did not have a lot of recording windows. Uh, because of the fact that the studios were so busy and because of the fact we only had basically like a 30 minute window at about 10 in the morning and about a 25 to 30 minute window at one o'clock. So we were going to have to rely on, on in-studio guests for everything. So immediately I, we had to think outside the box of who we were asking for guests. And one of the things that I thought about was giving young people a start. I grew up in Chicago. I always wanted to be an on-air person. I, things didn't really work out. Uh, that would have been a dream of mine to be 25, 26, building your brand, your, what you do and coming on the, on a show, on a Chicago show in the third biggest market, being able to show your ability and being able to kind of figure out, you know, and teach, you know, inform people what you're all about. And it became something that I embraced even more as I went along. We had a lot of different guests. We had a lot of guests who'd never been on TV before. Well, we had a lot of guests who wrote on different subjects that weren't there. Um, we had Evan F. Moore who writes on sports and race, and we had him on a lot of the times. And now he was a wonderful guest 
that we had on there. Uh, we had Xavier Pope who did sports law and had a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of different aspects. Now he'd been on TV before and has been uh, ever since. Uh, Sydney, you do your stuff with the Dean Davis guys were, were wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful additions to our show. Uh, they were great. And they're, and these are stories of people who are self-made. The Dean Davis was, they were just a self-made army and they made themselves. They, they, built their selves all by themselves they didn't have tons of people there people sometimes say oh well you thank you did a lot for me well that's not really the case you guys did it because you guys did something to make us notice as a show to bring you on so while i do appreciate it sydney it was you guys all of you guys and what you do every day whether it's on a podcast a zoom cast whether you're taping on your phone you know there's things that people do every day in sports journalism that there's there's things that people do every day that, that deserve to be noticed because it does provide a diverse, uh, you know, different kind of perspective on all sorts of things that are going on for sports. And for me, you try to look at a lot of different things to put in your mind and kind of view things that really does help. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the bigs, you know, what they've done with their product. And I know they're continuing to add to it again, two guys build their own essentially network. I mean, they're, they're kind of their own, media company network right now. And we've had lots of stories like that. Uh, you know, bloggers who've done that. And, you know, the guys for Bleacher Nation, you know, they've been on our show. And they're, again, it's the self-made, self-started thing. Uh, we've done a lot with the uh, White Sox blogger, you know, J- James Fox, Josh Nelson uh, with Sox Machine. You know, we've had all these these people come on here, the, the Bear Reports. We've had a lot of diverse guests that were on our show. It's the most proud, the proudest thing that I have uh, that will ever be a part of was that guest roster and how many people were on there and how we were able to get as many perspectives as we possibly could, which is the best thing you could ever want to do, whether doing a simple story, a newscast, or of course, four and a half years of a show. And absolutely a sports show could work like that. And it should work like that. I would hope something like that would come back where you could have a lot of conversations. I wish we would have had sports feed now for what we've seen the last few months when it comes to sports and racial justice. Uh, you know, athletes are taking the needed position of having to speak out on that for, you know, athletes have done this. We've seen this going back years and years and years. And, you know, again, the old argument sports and society and politics don't mix is, you know, that's a complete lie. We've seen that, you know, 1968, the Olympics, you know, that's, that's an example. There are tons of other examples that come up. It's been in sports for decades upon decades and will be there you know, you are having seen now mass athletes and leagues speak out on it. Would have been fun to have sports feed during this time because I think we could have had some wonderful debates on what is going on. We we had a great guest roster that would have been able to comment on that. It's kind of a shame we didn't have that because I think those would have been some of the, the one show we never got to do was the, the show on race and sports. It's the one show we never really got to do that we would have gotten the chance to do this year. The conversations would have been deep they would have been great. That's the regret I have. So that's why you're going to always have a show like that. There's going to be a show that's going to come back like that. But that's, that is certainly there. And we would, it's a shame we would, because some of the topics would have been incredible this year. It would have been an incredible year just with the pandemic. It would have been a very interesting year. It's a shame we didn't really have that next year to kind of make that happen. All right, there is Larry Howerly, sports director at WGN-TV Sports in Chicago. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for giving uh, your truly a platform along with the Dean Davis show and others at War Media and all the other guests that were 
on other shows around town. Thank you for that. And for those of you listening exclusively, your surely had the greatest intro guest ever. Nice. Yes, I remember. (laughs) Larry Larry Glass. Thank you for letting me be myself. And Larry, I'll be forever in, uh, in, in, in great gratitude to you. Let's hope our paths cross again in the future on the other side of the television camera. Thank you so much for joining us on Second City Sports today. Thank you very much again. Let's do this again real soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you. And again, Sydney, great work to you. Uh, Lakini, great work. Lamont, great work. Again, Thanks, awesome. Again, again, Thanks, you're doing, you, go, you guys are doing everything you need to do right now to do what you can have your own platform. So, hey, enjoy it. Have fun. Uh, Lamont, enjoy the sock sale. And, uh, guys, I have, will a be show. have Hey, great. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, let's see what the uh, next few weeks have for baseball. It, it should get interesting. All right, Larry. Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you. All right, Larry. Look at your glasses. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Guys, oh thank you gosh. very much. Guys, thank you very much. Sorry, sorry I was late. I, it's, I was having an issue. I'm so okay. sorry. I'm so, so That's sorry. Right. No? That's okay. It happened. Don't worry. I'll feel yeah. bad. How are you guys doing? Everybody all right? Or everybody good? Or? Yeah. yeah, we're fine. Yeah. Everything's good. Good. No, it's good. It, yeah, and Sydney, thank you again. It's great to have you on the show. I miss it. I wish we had this year. Like, I we... This would have been yeah, yeah. our best year yet, but you know things happen. I mean that's that's part of TV. I mean, look at that. Yeah. I never I never thought Sports Talk Live would die. I thought they would keep that, yeah. keep that. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you guys at GM will bring up something in the future. Hope we can get faces like Lamont Lakino on there. So, but yeah, no, then you never know. Yeah, and guy, yeah. if if you should need anything, you know my my Twitter my DMs are open, or if you should need anything, just just holler. So if I don't respond, just 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 just, just hit against. Sometimes when I when I produce or I write, I zone in. Like I just I do the whole like computer coding thing where I don't like the world just kind of ceases <laughs> around me. Like I have to kind of get knocked out. Like or somebody has to throw something at me to kind of get knocked out of it. But yeah, right, thanks for everything, Larry. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you again, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. Take care. All right, that was Larry Howley of WGN-TV, sports director in Chicago. Guys, on that note, we'll take this quick time out. When we come back, we're going to break down the Bears and Falcons matchup of week three in the NFL, and we'll give you our picks for the rest of the action from the National Football League. You're listening to Second City Sports. Welcome back to the second half of weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Insta, as the kids would say, at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. As Lamont is doing the Samuel L. Jackson dance from uh, what's that movie? Real quick, what's that movie? Uh, uh, what was it? Wesley Snipes and the What's up? Pulp Fiction. No, not Pulp Fiction. Jungle Fever. (laughs) Don't take it personal, Lamont. Jungle Fever. You remember Tim L. Jackson? (laughs) Give me some money. Do that dance. That's early Sam Jackson there. (laughs) But you you can catch this program on War on Anchor, wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you um, download Second City Sports along with our other programming from We Are Eager Radio, War on Anchor. Make sure you download that iHeartRadio app. When you do, just type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's 
W-A-R-R, on Anchor. You can access this lovely program. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. Do that dance for my, I want some money. <laughs> See, it rhyme with your name. It'd be like S-I-D. <laughs> you can follow on that note. You follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter at Keenan underscore McGee on the Instagram. Okay, I don't know. I, I, we've all we, we've all lost our train of thought here, folks. But uh, <laughs> okay, let's talk about um, the this Bears Falcons game. Um, sort of a sort of surprising that the Falcons are zero and two. I mean, they had let that 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 loss against the Cowboys let that game kind of slip away. They're they're banged up though, so. <laughs> Where do you guys see this game for the Bears? Um, I'll start. I mean, uh, to, to piggyback something Jason mentioned last week with the Bears being the least impressive 2-0 and team, I think the Atlanta Falcons are the best 0-2 team. I think the Atlanta Falcons' offense is explosive. They got some injuries, like you said, and that defense is suspect on the back end. But I think the Atlanta Falcons will be very hard to deal with in Atlanta – for the Bears, so I think it's going to be a tough one. The couple things I'm looking forward to on Sunday with the Bears and Falcons, one, watching the Atlanta-Dallas game from last week. I know I'm one of the only few people that watched the game in its entirety via my computer. Uh, yeah. A couple of things to take a look at. The tight end position for Atlanta, Hurst, who came over from Baltimore in the offseason, he had an explosive game, especially in that first half when Atlanta opened it up. Number two, the running game, they didn't need it as much because they jumped out of, out ahead. And Ty Gurley has not been impressive, as Larry Holly mentioned in our last segment. And number three, their defense. Their defense did not generate any pressure after the first quarter on Dak Prescott and last week's loss. Their secondary, even though it's not as banged up as it was this time a year ago, their secondary is horrible. I want to see the Bears take advantage of that. And what does that mean? Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky taking chances, play action pass, because the run game has been good for the Bears this year, and the offensive line has been great. Let's see if head coach Matt Nagy can give Trubisky the confidence to go downfield. If he can against this bad secondary of the Falcons, the Bears should be on their way to, to a victory. Now, Trubisky did that in the fourth quarter against the Lions in week one. He took advantage of the Giants' bad secondary in the first half. The Bears got conservative. You saw what happened. They almost lost the game in both instances. I want to see the Bears come out to a fast start like they did in their opening drive last week against the Giants and stop the foot, the, the foot of the necks of the Atlanta Falcons because Atlanta is riding with low confidence right now given what happened at Dallas last week. If the Bears can do those things, they should be on their way to 3-0, but it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, I think, for the reason you said, they think the fact that Atlanta is probably not going to be in a very good move because they really feel like they should have mm -hmm. won that game. And they should have, let's be honest. You know, Julio mm -hmm. Jones, you know, he's questionable with the hamstring injury that's been bothering him all week. He actually had a couple of key drops. You know, one of those drops was that Atlanta could have, you know, kind of put the game away and that, that onside kick, whatever you want to, whatever the, their hand team was doing wouldn't have been an issue. So I think he's probably, if he does, if he is able to play, I think he's going to want to kind of, you know, sort of like, you know, prove himself and redeem himself. I, I just think that for me, I think Atlanta sort of, you know, Dan Quinn's basically, you know, coaching for his job right now. 
I'm sure the uh -huh. folks down there in Atlanta are not happy. So I'm, I'm thinking that maybe this could be one of those games where it could be like 24, 20, or 27, 24, something like that. What'd you say, Lamont? No, I was saying he is coaching for his job. And uh, like you said, they will not be in a good mood. And I don't, you know, as Steve said also, Mitch wasn't able to take advantage of that secondary for longer than five plays. So I don't think he'll be able to take advantage mm -hmm. of Falcon secondary for a whole game. And I don't think they can score enough points to keep up with them. So I'm looking forward to seeing, like Larry said in our last segment, if that defense is elite, this is the time to show up and let us know. And speaking of that defense, you guys, I'm looking forward to this matchup, assuming that Julio Jones plays. I think Kyle Fuller will be matched up against Julio Jones. If that's the case, rookie a cornerback, Jalen Johnson, a second-round pick out of Utah. He's been doing very well so far this year. Yes, he's had his struggles because he's a rookie, but I, I think he's been doing a, a tremendous job. He's going to be matched up against Calvin Ridley, who had a couple of touchdowns last week in that loss against Dallas. It's Calvin Ridley also in his second year out of Alabama. He's a very good wide receiver. Yes, Julio Jones is an all of Calvin Ridley is that number one receiver right now for the Atlanta Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan loves going to him, and I, I, that's the matchup that fans should be should pay attention to. If if Jalen Johnson can hold his own against Cavarilli, not let him go off, that's going to boost confidence for that Bears defense. Assuming that the Bears defense, as you mentioned, Lamont can play elite and get to Matt Ryan and get to him early, make him uncomfortable in that pocket. Well, and also, too, like you, like you said, so with Hayden Hurst, I mean, he's kind of been the unsung hero of that mm -hmm. offense. And, you know, Matt, if Matt could, you know, really get the game, get the ball released quickly against either Ridley or Hurst, you know, assuming that, you know, Joe's is a play. And maybe even Todd Gurley, too. Remember, you know, Todd Gurley, you know, those, in those couple games against the Bears, you know, he actually had, you know, some pretty good – I think he sort of – I think he ran for rush for, like, I think, like 100-something yards or maybe over 100 yards in some of those when he was with the Bears. So – this might be his time to uh, sort of like – this might be his breakout game for Atlanta. So, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm worried about that game. I, I, I don't think – you know, I don't, the offense hasn't shown me that they can keep up yet. So, I'm looking forward to seeing Kenny. And speaking of the offense, you guys, I want to see the Bears, besides run the ball with some consistency, was they have been doing in, in most parts throughout this early part of the season. Let's get the tight ends involved. Guess how many targets that the Bears tight ends had last week? Anybody want to take a guess? At you got it. Ding, 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 ding. Three targets, one to each tight end. I want to see the tight ends get more involved, in particular Jimmy Graham first, and then Cole Clement, the rookie tight end, second. If they can do that, uh, this is going to put Atlanta's defense, especially their linebackers, on back on their heels because last week they couldn't take advantage of that against the Giants. And some of that the Bears can run the ball with some consistency. Let's see some play action fakes for Trubisky. Let those tight ends get involved. It takes some shots down the field. Let's mm -hmm. stop playing conservative. This Atlanta secondary, as we mentioned, stinks. Dallas proved that last Sunday. We know the Seattle Seahawks. Proved it in, in the opening weekend a couple of weeks ago when they beat Atlanta down there. The Bears, if they could pick their spots and be aggressive for once instead of being conservative, they should win this game almost with no problem. But I don't know if I could trust them to do that. But this is something they need to do to, to give Atlanta doubt and start off fast early like they did on the opening drive 
last week against the Giants. Going to be a very interesting game. This is probably one of the also this is probably gonna be the one of the more entertaining games of week three, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see see kind of like which sort of like a push pull which actually ends up happening. Now on that note. Let's do these picks. <laughs> See, Lakina's pulling up the numbers right now. I do. Yours truly had a great week. <laughs> yes, we all, we, we all had a good week. I mean, we all had 13 wins. So everybody's in you know, various sort of degrees. So we're all, like I said. It's going to be a good week this week, buddy. This going to be a horrible week. I told you that in the pregame show. <laughs> this is going to be the worst week ever for me. What? I can see. Why right. doubt yourself, Lamont? What is the fear's attitude? I will not. I will not hear of it. Uh, <laughs> we're, all, <laughs> look, we're, also, we're all a game uh, apart, you know, from first to fourth. I mean, I guess Jason's asleep, so he didn't get, give me his picks. But I, I, I'll, I'll count him in, you know, once once he does. But uh, yeah, so let's get right to it. You got an interesting one here. Oh, real quick, Lakina. Yeah. Yeah, real quick, Lakina. Lamont, what happened to your Saints on Monday? I told you they were going to lose. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Bad officiating. No, they lost that game. Okay, oh, of course. They lost that game, man. Well, they didn't want to win. That's why they part of my upset pick of the week this week. Right, right. We'll see about that. All right, on the Back to you, Lakina. Divisional matchup. We got the 0 2 Texas against the 2 0 Steelers. And of note, um, Ian Rappel just reported that Juju Smith Schuster with a knee injury is going to play. So looks like it's not too serious. So who wants to start off? I'll start. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger continues to show us that he's back. I think Houston has lost all form of direction. I don't think that coach should last another season as coach or GM or whatever he's calling down there. And I think that Pittsburgh will win again. I have the Pittsburgh, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. They're running the ball very well right now. Benny Snell, as you mentioned, Lamont, uh, Big Ben is playing very well, coming off the elbow surgery of last year. Houston, I, uh, that's the only team that let me down last week and my picks gave me my only L. And for, with that being said, until I see some consistency from them, I'm not picking them again. They're going on the road to Pittsburgh. I just don't see it. They're too inconsistent for me. I got the Steelers at home. That second half against the Baltimore should tell you all you need to know about the about the Texans. I got the Steelers winning. I got the Steelers winning handily. All right. Um, a battle of 0-2s. You got the Bengals and the Eagles. Mm. Ben, I'll start. Yeah, I'll start. I'm going with Philadelphia. This is their second home game in a row. They didn't show up last week against the Los Angeles Rams uh, West Coast team coming to an East Coast time zone for early start. Uh, Philadelphia, they have to run the ball. This is pride check time for them. Carson Wentz has to show that he's one of the top 10, top 15 quarterbacks in the league. Cincinnati, I like Joe Burrow, but they are a couple of years away of doing something special. Philadelphia, their season is on the line because if they go 0-3, uh, they could be trouble up there uh, in the city of brotherly love. With that being said, I'm going with Philadelphia at home. You know, my heart want to go with Joe Barrow, but my mind is going with Philadelphia. Like you say, Joe ain't got no help in Cincinnati, so I'm going with Philadelphia. 
if he had a if he had a better old line protecting him, I would pick Cincinnati, but he doesn't right mm-hmm. now. So I am gonna pick Philadelphia for all the reasons that you guys said. I mean, heads will roll if they go zero and three. People there in Philadelphia are not happy right now. Well, they don't really happy about anything, but that's a, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I'm picking the Eagles, and oh yeah, you know another sweep. Um, okay, 49ers and the Giants, and let me let me pull up uh, Mike Garofalo's dead dead Graziano, I should say, from ESPN's tweet. They 49ers have ruled out Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, D. Ford, George Kittle, and Dre Greenlaw for against the Giants. But I don't think that's going to matter. I know that turf is. Look, we look here in Chicago. We have our own issues with the turf over there at Soldier Field, so I can't really like tease uh, the Giants and the Jets for that. And we're in Mid- over there, but uh, I'm gonna pick the 49ers. I mean, I, I know. Look, <laughs> Mullins actually was actually pretty good. He didn't make any mistakes, so I think they'll do just enough. If let's, I'm not trusting the Giants. They're banged up too, so I'm picking the the 49ers. I'm picking the 49ers because we might be looking at our next quarterback. So. Uh, Nick Mullins may be a Chicago Bears soon. So, I, I mean... I'm don't give the Bears management any crazy ideas. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and, but don't do that. Them, they was looking at him before they signed Foles. So, you know they got their eye on them. With that being said, this is a toss-up game between two teams that are riddled with injuries. Of course, Saquon Barkley's out for the Giants. They picked up former Atlanta Falcons running back Devontae Freeman. On the other side, as you mentioned, Lakina, all those starters are out. Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a game-time decision. I won't bank on him playing, but with that being said, the 49ers have just a little bit better, more and better talent than the Giants. I'm picking up the 49ers on the road back in New York for the second straight week. All right. A good one here, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, I finally got it right. I guess they go across the country. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, they go cross country against New England. Fresh off a loss, fresh off a loss to Seattle. I will start. Congratulations to the Los Angeles, the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, for beating the New Orleans Saints. And they will definitely lose to the Cam Newton resurgent Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. I love what Cam doing up there. He's proving himself. I'm so happy for him and proud of him. So go New England right now. Uh, the New England Patriots uh, surprisingly put up 30-plus points on the road at Seattle last Sunday night. They could have won the game, but a great tackle by L.J. Collier of Seattle to stop Cam Newton at the goal line to preserve the win for Seattle. New England will get back on track this week. It's going to be a closer game where people give credit for because – this Raiders team could be that surprise team this year. I think they'll compete, but they're going to come up just short. With that being said, I'm with you, Lamar. I'm going with Cam Newton and the Patriots at home. I've been back and forth on this one. Uh, the fact that Oakland, they're coming off a short week. they got to travel co- cross-country. They're playing a noon game. You called them Oakland. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I did it again. Uh, <laughs> I called them Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. So, it's, it's good. Look, Las Vegas, I'm sorry it's going to get used to, but uh, – I think the, it'll be close, but I think the news will just, does, does just enough to win. I'm, I'm taking the Patriots, too. All right, you got Titans and Vikings. Uh, I, I'll start. This, this is one of them games that had me going back and forth, but I'm going to go with Tennessee. Minnesota needs to- I'm going with Minnesota only because they're at home. Because if they, just like Philadelphia, if they start out 0-3, it's going to be trouble for the Minnesota Vikings. I think uh, trouble is ahead for that 
team for 2020 anyway, even though I did pick them to win the division. But if they don't get off the schneid against the Tennessee Titans, I know the Titans are a good team, but they're not really that impressive outside of Derrick Henry. I know they put up a lot of points last week in their win against Jacksonville in their home opener. But Minnesota, if they don't get right here, uh, trouble's going to come a mountain in that uh, in those in the Twin Cities. So with that being said, I'm going with the Vikings at home. They've been banged up. That that pass has been banged up. You know, of course, you know, mm-hmm. Daniel Hunter is probably still going to be out, and now Anthony Barr is going to be out too. But I think they'll do just enough. It'll have, it'll be a scoring thing. So I'm picking Minnesota for all the reasons that's been said. They're zero and two. Oh yeah, they're zero and two, and they need this win to sort of like get the confidence going. So I'm picking the Vikings, but I'm not too confident about it. All right, next up we got Washington and the Cleveland Browns, both one and one. <laughs> Another one of them games that was hard to pick. I'm like, uh, so I'm gonna just say that Baker Mayfield needs to win this game if he wants a new contract. And Odell Beckham say he's happy with his numbers not being high. So maybe they'll show up this week. Uh, if you're Cleveland, there was a great performance last Thursday night against uh, a struggling Cincinnati team. If you're the Browns, you need to run the ball with Nick Chubb because the front four for the Washington football team is very good. If you're Baker Mayfield, you need to make smart decisions with the football. And for the defense for the Browns, uh, you can pressure Dwayne Haskins, cause a couple of turnovers, he should be fine. You're at home. I'm going with the Browns. I'm going to step out. That front four for Washington is really good. So I think they're going to give Baker Mayfield problems. And it's going to be one of those nine, six, six, three type of things. We know, we know uh, Ron Rivera loves those types of games. So I'm going to pick Washington and I'm going to, I'm stepping out. Okay. Here's here's another hard one though. You got the Rams and the Bills, both two and oh. I'll start, Sid. Another one of them tough ones. And the Rams have been playing really good, but I think the Josh Allen show continues. I'm going with Buffalo at home. Also, I think it's going to rain real hard in Buffalo this weekend. So we're going with Buffalo. Bad weather game. I'll be watching this game in its entirety via my computer because they'll be the national game for Fox as part of their doubleheader, well, except for here in Chicago. But with that being said, as you mentioned, Lamont, Josh Allen is playing very well right now. Him and Steph Valdez connected for a touchdown um, last week at Miami. The Rams, they looked good on the road at Philadelphia against a dead-ass team in the Eagles. They had to go back on the road again against a tougher opponent on the East Coast for early noon kickoff. It's going to be a – I think it's going to be a defensive struggle because Buffalo's defense can bring it as well, and they can run the ball. Watch out for Devin Singletary. If he can run all over that Rams defense and get away from Aaron Donald, they should be able to win this ball game and force Jerry Bob to a couple of turnovers. With that being said, I'm going with the Buffalo at home. Yeah, if this is in Los Angeles, I'd probably pick the Rams, but for all the reasons you guys said, I'm picking Buffalo just because I think they're they're kind of the better team and they're definitely a step up from the Eagles last week for the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm picking the Bills as well. Yes. Uh, you got Okay, you got Carolina against the Los Angeles Chargers. So, a weird story here about the about the the Chargers. Apparently, uh, I guess the training staff there accidentally punctured. Uh, yeah, I, Ryan Taylor's I, I, mom, that's, that's how Justin Justin uh, Herbert ended up playing. So it's like he's going to be the quarterback. Actually, didn't do too bad either, as we talked about on, on Monday's show. Go ahead, Lamont. Now you know, I, you know, I'm a big conspiracy theorist. 
you punch a thumb like that? I don't know. Accidents happen, yeah, but I think they wanted to get Justin Hayward in there anyway, so I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because I don't think he's making it back on the field unless the rookie get injured. What's your pick? Oh, I'm picking the Chargers to win. I'm going to pick the Chargers to win, but I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, man. How you punch your lung in warm-ups or needle, however it happened, I'm glad they're investigating it. Whoever did that should get their pink slip in the link card, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> With that being said, uh, Carolina, they made a run at Tampa Bay last week. Of course, their star running back. All-purpose offensive player Christian McCaffrey will be out four to six weeks with an ankle injury. Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a whole lot to bear on his shoulders to carry that Carolina offense. The Chargers, as you guys mentioned, Justin Herbert did very well against the defending world champion Chiefs team last week. Should have won the game, but came up short. They'll learn that lesson this week. I think they're at home. I'm going with the Chargers. Keep it short, so I'll pick the I'll pick the Chargers too. I think this is gonna be I think this is gonna be the breakout game for Mr. Herbert. So, all right, let's do this rapid fire, guys. You got Jets and Colts. Uh, the Colts. 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 Same here. Yeah, Colts. Okay, yeah, Colts. Same here. It's a sweep. Um, Cowboys and the Seahawks. Interesting one here. This, you know, the box game of the week. I'm going to MVP Russell Wilson, Seattle. Seattle in the close one. Seattle close one too. Um, Bucks and Broncos. Uh, you know, Tom Brady loves playing in Denver. Kind of has some sort of you know not good success there, but uh, it, I don't think weather's going to be the issue there. So I'm going to pick Tampa Bay, but it's going to be close. I'm going with Tampa Bay also. I don't think it's going to be close. I was going to go with Denver, but Drew Locke is out, and whoever's quarterback for Denver, even though they played well in the month of September throughout the years at home, I, I, I can't find myself to make another stupid mistake. I'm going with Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got Detroit and Arizona. I, I'm staying with my Cardinals, man. I'm telling you, the Cardinals are a team to watch. Kyler Murray is a sneaky MVP candidate. I am going with Arizona. And this, this is a Fox, another Fox is on America's Game of the Week uh, because of their doubleheader. I know why Lamont's going to be watching. You know why? Why? Nick Stockton's going to be calling that game. Oh. <laughs> oh, goodness. If you get that annoyed, Lamont, just watch the game with the sound down. But with that being said, I'm going with the Cardinals to go 3-0. and Same, Arizona. All right, we're getting into the games of the week. And Sunday night, first and Sunday night, we got the Packers and the Saints. I will start. The Saints mad right now. I just seen something on Highly Questionable about is Drew, Brees, is Drew Brees playing for his job? How, how – I don't even want to say how – that's not a good question, but I'm going with New Orleans, man, because they mad and Green Bay train will stop. And hopefully the Bears can pull off an upset in Atlanta and the Bears will be right back in first place. I think I'll go with the same overrated Green Bay defense by running the ball with Alpha Kamara. I think Drew Brees will play better, even though his stat line didn't look that bad on Monday night against the Raiders outside of that turnover to end the first half. I think New Orleans will get it together. Their defense will do just enough to limit Aaron Rodgers. Not stop him completely, but to limit him. Because I know the Packers' deep, uh, offense is averaging around 39, 40 points a game. 
I cannot see them doing that again on Sunday night. It's going to be close, but I see New Orleans winning here. Me too. See, my gut's saying Green Bay. I just think that I know people were asking about Drew Brees. Well, listen, Aaron Rodgers has been doing with this since the offseason. So I think he has another big game. I think that, yes, I think that this might be one of those like 40-something. So I guess first or 40 wins. And I think you know, Rodgers will have the, have the ball, you know, last. And I think Green Bay will end up pulling it out in New Orleans. That's my upset of the week. And a good one here for the midnight. night. You got the Chiefs and the Ravens. Um. That's my upset for the week, the Monday nighter. I'm going with Baltimore to beat the champions because the champions should have lost last week. So Lamar Jackson has never beaten uh, Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. And so that is correct. I think this will be his first time. And I'm going with Lamar Jackson. And that's my mother's favorite football player now. So I'm going with Baltimore. Shout out to Lamont's mama. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Bravo to Miss Scott here. Um, I'm going to pick Baltimore, too. If this was an arrowhead, I would pick Kansas City. But like you said, Lamont, they should have lost a game against the Chargers last week. Like I said, Baltimore's on a mission. This could be the preview of the AFC championship game. I'm glad that, you know, Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and and Lewis Rigg will be able to call this game because I'm sure they're going to be – this is going to be very entertaining. So I'm picking Baltimore because they're at home. I'm going with Baltimore as well. All right, last but not least, you got, of course, Bears going to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Um, my heart says Chicago, but my mind says Atlanta. Right. So Atlanta, Atlanta going to win that game. I'm going to step out and put pressure on the beloved, the monsters of the midway. I am picking the Chicago Bears to go 3-0. and I do not like this pick because I'm with you, Lamont. My heart says Chicago, but logic says to pick Atlanta. But Atlanta's defense, in particular, their secondary is terrible. I think Mitch Trubisky and head coach Matt Nagy will do just enough. I don't know if it's going to be as bad as last week, but I think they'll do just enough to get by Atlanta. And I think the defense will play a whole lot better than they did last week against the Giants. I think they'll come up with, with at least two turnovers. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go by logic here. I am going to pick Atlanta. So I would be surprised. I would be surprised the Bears do end up winning this game. I just think that Atlanta, Atlanta, their back's against the wall right now. Dan Quinn's job is on the line. They need to win this game because heads will roll in Atlanta. They, they start 0-3. So yes. thinking that they're not going to be in a very good mood because they feel Matt Ryan's not going to be in a very good mood because he feels like they should have won that game in Dallas. And it was so, embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna. That's why I'm picking. The, I'm picking the Falcons. I just think that that's. I think that's what's gonna happen here. So, should be fun. Look, this is, this, these were some hard games to pick, and a lot of us kind of split on some. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be very interesting. So, with a few minutes left, what are you guys looking forward to sporting wise? We got a whole like cornucopia of stuff going on this weekend. You know, it's a bunch, but what I don't, what I'm not looking forward to, I don't want to hear. The Reggie Miller, Chris Weber call on the Los Angeles game ever again, ever, ever. I bet upset about it. But it's like they, if they don't get paid by them gentlemen, they 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 have a, a working agreement with them of some sort. But I don't want to hear them call anything related to the Lakers. <laughs> okay. And now, as far as looking forward to stuff, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that. You know, that Crosstown series, everyone's looking forward to that Crosstown series. So I'm looking forward to that. 
And, of course, I got a WWE pay-per-view this week, so I'm excited about that. The Rock is coming back. This is the first step to The Rock coming back, so I'm excited. Uh, I'll follow up there with the Crosstown Series this weekend. Lamont, of course, both our Chicago teams are in the playoffs. Uh, for the Sox, can they turn it around a little bit, uh, t- at least take two out of three, or perhaps sweep, which is I prefer, but realistically, can they take at least two out of three and perhaps uh, sneak into the playoffs? They're already in the playoffs, but but maybe going to the playoffs as a division champ, I don't know, but let's see if the Sox can turn around with some confidence here on, on the last uh, weekend of the regular season because the Playoffs start Tuesday, and you want to go in with some confidence, especially for a young team like the White Sox. Number two, I'm looking forward to always football Sundays in week three. Can the Bears do it again? Can it go down to Atlanta to play against a better team and come out with a victory on the road? And number three, uh, winding down the conference finals in the NBA, we all know that the Lakers, not to count out Denver, but the Lakers should wrap up this series here in the next coming days. And can Boston get back in the series against the Miami Heat? The NBA Finals will start soon, so I'm looking forward to those three uh, uh, events in, in the sports world this weekend. Also, let's not forget, I know Lakina's going to mention this, so I'm going to jump on it early. We're going to have really outside of the Notre Dame Wake Forest game that's been postponed due to COVID, uh, COVID being uh, infected by the Notre Dame players, uh, really a real a first full Saturday of college football action. I'm really going to uh, check some of the, the action out. Because the SEC comes back tonight. They're yeah. coming back tonight. Yeah. Coming back tonight. Yes, yeah. I know I had a yeah. network preview. They're coming back tonight. So, yes, I'm looking forward to the SEC. And you see that judgment about all of the uh, states have to make the decision on the fans and how many they want there. They're giving the states control of that. So, I'm telling you, by the end of the year, the stadium's going to be full. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be full here in Illinois, though. I, I, Chris Crew's not going to let that happen. Well, not right. here. I'm talking like those SEC schools, those schools down south, those schools way out east, way out west. I think it's going to be plenty, plenty of people. What was it at the Dallas game Sunday? 20,000? So yeah. I, I think it was less than that. It was less 15, than that, I think. 15, I think. 15, yeah. I think. Well, I and think. also, you know, for me, like, like you said, Sid, I mean, the conference finals, the Lakers should be able to wrap it up, but, you know, listen, we know the, the Clippers were supposed to wrap it up, too, and Denver's supposed to wrap it up. I mean, uh, Utah's supposed to wrap it up, too, against Denver. So, I, unless they actually beat them, I'm not going <laughs> to count the Nugget Tell just yet. Um, the, I guess the, the Crosshell series, I guess somebody got to win those games, right? Both, are, both the teams have been struggling, but I think they should both just be chilling right now, but now they got to play, especially the Cubs, they got to play to clinch the division. Cause I think their manager would think it's like five. So now they've yeah. got to actually w- try to win. So yeah. confidence. Right. And also the college football slate, I mean, Louisville and Pittsburgh, um, Kansas State and Oklahoma, that should be a good one. Um, Texas Miami, Tech. Yeah. Oh, Miami and Florida State, yeah. So from back in the day, look, we're all old enough to remember those great so you. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s with, with them. So that's going to be fun. Um, the French Open starts this weekend, too. You know, yes. no, I think there's going to be like a, a thousand people. Yeah, they're going to have like a thousand people at the stadium. We'll, we'll talk more about that, you know, on Monday. But also, um, also of course, the week, three, week, the week three slate. I mean, these games were hard to, per, hard to pick. So yes, they were. There's going to be some separation there, mm-hmm. guys. So with Jason. Yeah, I told you, I already volunteered my last place finish. <laughs> well, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Oh, 
oh, way to, way to catch yourself out of the mind. That's just so wrong. That to be his attitude. So, but it was yeah. Rough. yeah, but listen, um, you know, look, I mean, there's going to be a quarter of sports this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll yes. soccer too. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Yes, it's going to be a good weekend. Now, that, uh, that, that Boston uh, Miami thing, you think Boston can pull that off tonight? You think Boston ready to win? Or you think they're giving up? Well, Tyler Hill, listen, remember, Tyler Hill was like a cult figure down in Kentucky. I mean, Calipari made him into a, a top 30 uh, first round pick. So he, he yeah, they he was real yeah. So he, in a normal, and, in normal circumstances, he probably would be in Miami living it up right now. But <laughs> I'm, and, I'm hoping Boston pulls it out. But, you know, if Miami is up wrapping it up, then I wouldn't be surprised. And, and do you think LeBron going to the press before the game about the fouls has something to do with the fouls that got called in that game. And mind you, he committed like three of them on Jamal Murray in the last two minutes that they didn't call at all. But do you think it has something to do with the situation? I'm staying away from that. That kind of stuff. I'm I think. <laughs> I think it helped because LeBron James is a he's the face of the league. If he's not getting calls, something's wrong. So you, you know him going to the press. He's not the first one to do it. He's not the last one to do it. So with him doing it, it kind of uh, uh, altered the ref's uh, uh, persuasion of him getting calls there. Uh, it's, it's happened before. It's going to happen again. So if people don't think that doesn't happen, you're fooling yourself. And he did, yeah, I think that, look, I think they'll, they'll probably, I think, like I said, I think the Lakers will winning it too. Although, you know, Denver's not going to go out without a fight. We've seen it, so. Yeah. All right, on that note, you follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow yours truly, Kid 80 on Twitter and the Insta, as the kids will say, at Kid 80 once again, at Kid 80 That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can read all of my articles at We Are Regal Radio. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can catch me on uh, the flip, uh, the Davis and Friends, that's part of War on Anchor, along with Second City Sports. Just uh, go to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you download your podcasts. We're everywhere. Just search for War on Anchor. And also, we on iHeartRadio. Please, please, please download the iHeartRadio app. And when you do, just type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we are also on YouTube. Just to type in War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. You can access all of our uh, lovely programming from War Media, including Second City Sports. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. All right. So I know it's going to be a little warm this weekend here in Chicago, but make sure you guys wear your mask and, you know, keep your hands clean. All right. So... <laughs> So enjoy the sports, everyone. For the guys on the Kansas Missouri Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you Monday. Zoom, go birds and holler.